Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. We'll be right back to today's show. But before we do, I want to let you know that you can get a free copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma, when you leave a review for the podcast on Apple Podcast, either on desktop or on your phone. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, look up Think Unbroken, click follow in the top right, and then go and leave a review at the bottom. And when you leave that review, screenshot it and send it over to book.thinkunbroken.com where you can upload your contact and mailing information, and we will send you a free copy of this award-winning, best-selling book, absolutely free, including shipping. Just go to book.thinkunbroken.com to upload your screenshot review from Apple Podcasts for the Think Unbroken podcast. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see you. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Think Unbroken podcast, and I'm your host, Michael Unbroken. I'm an author, speaker, coach, and advocate for adult survivors of childhood trauma and abuse. In this podcast, you will learn how to transform your trauma into triumph, turn breakdowns into breakthroughs and go from victim to being the hero of your own story. You can learn more at thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. And of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Think Unbroken Podcast. Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? I hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with you. Another episode with my guest, Byron Morrison, who was a high-performance coach and author of a titled book that I love, Maybe You Should Give Up. And we'll get into that today. Byron, my friend, how are you? What's happening in your world today? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. Really excited to be here. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. So, you know, I, I love to start these conversations with creating a bit of context about who you are. And so my first question for you is, what is one thing about your past that I would need to know to understand who you are today? 
Yeah. So my journey that really kicked off getting me to this point that I'm at in my life all started over a decade ago. Um, I was at a point in my life where, to be honest, I was not in a good place. I was overweight. I was struggling with confidence. I was burnt out and stuck in a job that was killing me. And every single day was just this battle to get through. And then my dad got cancer. And during his treatment, he had most of his bowel surgically removed. And he spent 25 days in ICU, uh, most on life support and breathing through a tracheostomy. And luckily pulled through. Uh, it's something that I'm eternally grateful for. But that for me was the wake-up call that I needed to change. And I wish I could sit here and say that overnight, everything magically got better. But for the next couple of years, I felt like I was just going around in circles. I take one step forwards and two steps back, sabotaging everything from my health, my relationships, my professional success. And it was only when I started learning about psychology and mindset that I realized that the biggest barrier in the way was myself. It was that voice in my head that was causing me to overthink, to second guess myself and really stop following through with the things I needed to do. So it was only when I got out of my own head that I could actually start moving towards the life I'm living now. Why do you think it was, you know, I think about this a lot, right? The catalyst for change. We, we typically are faced with so many moments and times in our life where it's like, now's the time to change. You could do something differently. You could show up differently. And I'm always trying to find the space to mitigate the risk of the rock bottom, right? And, and you hear so frequently, people are like, well, I hit rock bottom and I changed and then I changed. And to be honest with you, man, I, I don't know if you can. And, and so I'm wondering, was, was it particularly that moment? Like, was it the facing losing your father? Was it getting that close to death? Like, what, what was it really that became the impetus for, for you to start this journey? Yeah, so... The thing for me, it was just this realization that out of nowhere, life can get turned upside down. Like up until that point, like things were fairly constant. Like it was just like, and then all of a sudden it was this big shock. I remember when we got taken into the doctor's office that day and got told when his cancer it was kind of happening. It just felt like I was like sinking into the chair, like the whole world was crumbling. And that was the first time in my life that I really got faced with our mortality. It was like out of nowhere, it was just like, do you know what? Life is short. And I just had this kind of realization of like, I'm wasting my time. Like I literally, at that point, I was just very unhappy in a job. I was just like seeing so much of my time where I just spend the days indoors playing video games, watching films just to try and like survive the day and using it as a coping mechanism. It was just like this realization of you're wasting the time that you have. I was just realizing if I didn't change things, 20 years from now, that time with time, I would never get back. What and take up the space here, please. Let, let's get into the conversation because I, I want to know the, the depths here. What what were you coping with, or what were you running from? It was more of um, I think a lot of young people can potentially relate to this. You know, when you kind of do that whole journey, you go to your university, you get a degree, and then you have to go and get a job. But because you don't have experience, you've got to start in the trenches at the bottom, doing the grunt work where you don't really want to be there, but you've just got to pay your dues. I was in a, a company at the time, very toxic work environment, very not a great place to be. But I was basically like, I want to eat and pay my rent. So I was like, I have to do this, but I can't get anything else because I don't have the experience. So it was just basically like when you're spending 40 hours of your work week, just trying to get through that and then mm. just trying to survive and then all of these different things going on. And then at the time I said to you before, I was overweight. I was not in a good place with confidence. So it's just like, basically just feeling stuck and trying to get through the day. You know, the, the battle about confidence, it typically starts very young. I mean, did you, did you have confidence as a kid? Did that go away because of the toxic work environment? Like, like when, when you look back on the, the journey and the growth, what role had confidence played in your life to that point? Yeah. Um, I'd never been a very confident person. And it was really interesting. It was actually only in my mid-20s. I started working with a mindset coach. And him and I were talking about my confidence challenges and what was going on there. And he actually helped me uncover that my lack of confidence is something that traced all the way back to when I was a kid. Um, I'm originally from South Africa. So when my family moved across to the UK when I was 10 years old, I was an immigrant. I didn't fit in at school. Um, I was different to everyone else. And to be honest, I had a really rough time. Like I remember being 12 years old, I was kind of bullied, 
incredibly badly to the point that I was called names. I was beaten up pretty much every single day. I remember my coping mechanism there was I would go to the library at lunchtimes and just pretend to do my homework because it was the one place I felt safe that no one could get to me. And when we started diving into a lot of this, I realized that in my mid-20s, that was something I'd replicated. My tendency to go and play video games and watch films and hide in a dark room as a coping mechanism was something that I was repeating from my childhood. That was somewhere where I felt safe and comfort and it was somewhere where I could escape from the outside world. And it was only when I really started to dive into that and go through why I felt that way that I could go through the healing process of recognizing that what those people didn't said didn't make me who I was. But I was still holding on to the experiences for that that 12-year-old kid went through. That was why I struggled putting myself out there. It's why I had barriers up, not wanting to let people in. It's why I didn't feel like I was good enough. It was only when I could really understand that I could start to see that my past didn't have to define my future, that I had so many other traits that I knew who I was and my values and who I wanted to be as a person. And when I connected with that, that's when I could let it go and move forward. Mm. Yeah, it's funny how we get tied into those coping mechanisms for a lifelong journey. And you don't even realize that they're happening until you realize that they're happening, right? That's the, that's the dichotomy of the whole game. And when I was young, I would find myself also sneaking out of my home, which was incredibly volatile and dangerous and going to the library. And I would just be there. It was a safe space. And they had air conditioning, which was great because we didn't have it. They had heat when we didn't have it. And I would read all these books and I would just consume. And you know what was interesting, man, is I remember being in there and they had this little corner and I would go hide in this little corner and I would just read biographies, right? Read about people who had lives that were not mine. And then when it came into the space to like go and build and create my own life, there was so much hesitancy. There was so much fear, so much self-sabotage. Words, you know, now I have, but I didn't have at 25, 26 years old. As you were looking back and you were reflecting with this coach and, and getting into that place of trying to understand how you got to where you were, what, what was the healing process like for you in, from those inner child moments? Like, how did you I guess really the question that I'm asking, because so many people face this, is they're like, they step in, they do this work, they try to go through transformation, but they still have that wounded part of their child in them that was bullied, that was picked on, that was the outsider that did have to go to the library. What was that healing journey like for you? What did you do and what was the outcome? Like, first, it was definitely very painful because I think for me, this is something that I really packed deep down for a good 10, 15 years that I just, I, even though I didn't even realize it, though I was still hanging on to it, it was still allowing what had happened in my past to impact everything that I was doing on a day to day. But once I realized that and I started to actually understand, you know what, that's not who you are as a person. You don't have to be defined by what you experienced when you were like 10 to 15 years old. It was very freeing. It was almost like this weight had been lifted because I realized what had been holding me down for so long. And that was when I started to move forward. So I think you at times have to face what you went through. But I'm also a big advocate of, I, I think for a lot of people, going back and reliving your trauma doesn't help. Like it does for some people, it helps them get closure. But I'm a huge believer now in doing the mindset work of just recognizing that when you shift your focus from the past to the present and what you're going to do to move forward, that's how you can break through a lot of the stuff that's holding you back. Like you don't have to go back and unpack old wounds and really relive it. Because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. They go back and they keep opening it up and opening it up and they can't move forward. And that's why I'm such a big believer of you can't change the past, but the more you hold on to it and allow it to keep, keep keeping you stuck, the more it's going to be a part of you. But when you start making a decision of, you know what, this is the life I'm going to live and start putting yourself in situations to change it. Like that for me was the big freeing moment. It was just making a decision of, you know what, I'm not going to behave like that anymore. I'm not going to allow myself to be struggling with confidence and like not putting myself out there and holding myself back. And I was just really starting to look, okay, what do I need to do going forward to change that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in so many ways about this concept and the idea of not always going back and doing all of the every, like, like, like I, you know, for some people, especially who will listen to this show, there, there are so many elements and layers of the traumatic experiences 
that if you spent your life healing them, you would spend your entire life healing them. And, and I think that so much of it really is about, there are the big markers, right? You can kind of sit back and you can look at a few things and label them and say, these are the things I need to work on and heal and learn to love myself, maybe forgive myself, forgive others. But at some point, and, and this is what I always coach my clients on, at some point you have to realize you can only do so much work in the past and then it has to be done right now. Because if you don't, then you're never going to be able to step into your future. In there, there, there is an element, I think, of like learning how to love yourself, right? And forgiveness. And maybe if that forgiveness isn't for other people, but for you, because I don't know if you've seen this or not, but in my life, when I stepped into building confidence for the first time, I had a lot of hatred and vitriol for myself for not being confident in the past. How did you reconcile who you were, especially as a child, with the present? Like, how did you be able to create closure within yourself for either what you did or you didn't do? Yeah. I think a big part of it was just the environment that I threw myself into. Because when I made the decision to get out of the corporate world and I wanted to go and start a business, I was struggling with confidence at first. But then I kind of got back myself into a corner that I was like, I've got no choice but to follow through here. Mm. I was like, I do not want to go back to the corporate world. So it's like, even though there's actions I don't want to take in business, I'm struggling with confidence of closing sales, generating business, all of these things. I was like, you know what? I don't have a choice. Like the alternative was more painful. And so it was just really throwing myself into a sink and swim situation where it was kind of that burn the boats and go all in. Uh, so I don't think I really even had the time to like, think about the confidence issues. I just had to start taking action. And I think that was why I did struggle for the first couple of years in business. But it was like when I'd worked with this coach and we, I figured out a lot of these things were going on, I just like made this decision. You know, like, I need to start going for what I want. And I was just diving in and pushing myself. And instead of focusing on what could go wrong, it was all about, okay, this is the impact I want to make, the life I want to create. What do I need to do to make it happen? How did that affect your relationship with yourself? Because like, that's what I'm trying to get into, right? Like, yeah. you know, we, whether we like it or not, we have a relationship with ourselves. And was it, what was it that became the cornerstone of, of that process for you that really built the confidence? Yeah. I think it, for the first time, it was just finally feeling pr element of pride. Because I was mm. like, I'm incredibly proud of the last 10 years of work that I've done. Like the stuff I've created, the people I've worked with, the impact that we've built. And looking back on that is a huge confidence boost. And for me, it was as I was starting to see myself build all these things and turn my vision into reality, that was for the first time that my self-worth started coming up. It was like, you know what, actually, you've set yourself a goal and you've actually gone for it and done it. And that, that was just such a, of just bringing a sense of pride that I'd never had before in my life. Like going back in the past, like I never really felt like what I was doing, like was that great or really mattered. And there was just like a lot of like self-worth issues there. So that was a big turning point. It's like when I actually started going after the things I wanted, it was a huge confidence and self-worth establisher. Where, where did you start with that? So the first one with that was my first book. Uh, that was long before I started um, a business or anything. Basically, I after my dad's cancer, I, the first thing I wanted to do was get in shape. And I had no clue what I was doing. Like going back to the confidence and being bullied thing as a kid, I always viewed like the viewed the gym and exercise as something for people I wasn't like. I didn't want to be like, so I convinced mm. myself it wasn't for me. So the first barrier I had to overcome mentally was getting in shape. And I remember the first time I went to work out, I went into the gym that day. And it was just filled with all these big guys like grunting and staring at their biceps. And I remember just freezing. I was like, it's too busy now. I'm going to come back later. I told myself this lie that there wasn't enough room for me to do it. And I Luckily, I got the confidence to try again. I went back and I found that actually that working out and getting in shape was something I really enjoyed doing. I found a passion in an area that I completely wrote off and I just got frustrated by my lack of results. So I was like, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I need to do it properly. So I started learning about nutrition and fitness and changing behaviors. I went down this rabbit hole for the next couple of years of learning everything I could. And once I lost over 50 pounds, I saw so many people struggling like I was. And I had this idea of why don't you write a book? Very naive never written anything before, spent the next year and a half going in and doing it. And that was just really the first thing that I did. 
ecosystem. And then it just gave me the next idea for the business and everything else. So yeah, it was just something that I went through myself. And I was like, I want to help other people who are struggling like I am and pass on what I learned so they can get under control as well. That, yeah, well, that's a, a tremendous victory for you. So congratulations for that, for sure. And I, I know firsthand the experience of literally doing the same thing, having lost 150 pounds, becoming a, a personal trainer, nutritionist, and understanding the human body. Because look, dude, I think a part of the problem is nobody teaches us about how to be healthy. You know, nobody actually really talks about the food you should eat, how you should move your body, how to rest, recover, how to manage your mental health. And just a, a week ago, I had posted this before an action, before an after photo of myself when I was at my heaviest at 350 pounds. And then where I'm at right now, which is about at 220. I mean, that's a tremendous amount of shift. It's, yeah. it's a human being. And, and someone had commented on it. They said that I was uh, fat shaming. And I was like, no, I was fat. You, I can't shame myself for being fat. I had to take a look at the mirror and get real with myself. And, and I think that's such a big part of the journey for people is the willingness to sit in truth, like be in the reality that you're in, not the reality that you wish that you're in. And there's a direct correspondence. I don't care what anybody says. There is a correspondence and a correlation between your physical health and your mental health. And so I'm wondering, what was that like for you as you bit up the courage, which is the word I think is most appropriate when you're walking into the gym for the first time, as you bit up the courage to be like, I'm going to do this. What were the mental health shifts that started to happen? Because those things that you did then are paying dividends today. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like there is such a correlation because for me going back, like as I started to lose weight and I started to look better, I started to feel better. My energy went up. As a result, my confidence went up. I was ha like more like acceptable going out and speaking to people. I felt better about who I was. I didn't feel as ashamed in my body. Like it was all of these things that direct and all of the a big part of that was why I had mental health challenges because I didn't like the way I looked in the mirror and all of those things. Mm. So there's a huge correlation. And it's really interesting you should say this about someone saying that you're fat shaming because this happened to me a couple of months ago. I put up a before and after photo. And I was just like, back at this guy, I didn't like who this guy was. I didn't like how I looked. I was always the guy who was too ashamed to take a show off on the beach. I talked about my thing and someone was like, I look like your before photo and I'm healthy. And it was just turning into this whole thing of like, you're fat shaming and saying like, there's something wrong with this. And I was like, that's not the point. Like I was talking about my journey, but I think it's interesting how some people when they're struggling with their own thing, they take it as like a negative. Whereas for me, it was just sharing of like, I wanted to make this change. And just trying to spread like that belief that other people can if it's something they want to do. But yeah, I think it's going back to your question. I think it's so incredibly powerful for your mental health. I even find now if I skip training for a while, um, I find like the stress of work and everything else goes, starts weighing on a little bit heavier and it just has to be a non-negotiable in my life. Yeah, it does. You know, it's funny. I was just um, doing some research on Peter Atia, who is a, a famous so scientist, doctor, and researcher here in the States about health and longevity. And of all of the potential actions that one person could take to increase their longevity, their long-term health, and their lifespan, the number one thing that you can do is exercise. You want to have a better mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, energetic health. Exercise is number one, point blank, period. But dude, look, and I, I think the reason, and obviously this isn't a conversation about exercise, but I think it's really important. Like if you do not move your physical body, your other, it, which is the most important element of your well-being, you will be in dis-ease. You will probably have disease, right? And so you, you head down this path where it's like, okay, wait a second, what should I really be doing? This conversation is so much really about the journey to discovery and, and being who it is that you are today. When, when you look at who you are as, as Byron today and you're measuring the things that have led down the path, what are some of the cornerstones? What are some of the key elements that have helped you become who you are? Yeah, so I think a big thing in my life is just having something bigger than yourself that you're striving towards because 
even though the work I've been doing over the last decade has evolved and pivoted in various ways, the mission behind it's always been the same. It's always been wanting to help as many people as possible who are struggling like I was take control of their lives. And that for me has been the cornerstone of what drives me to do what I do. And I see a lot of people who don't have a purpose bigger than themselves. And that's how they just get stuck going through the motions. Like I am fortunate to work with a lot of very successful people. And I've spoken to guys who've got millions in the bank on paper, they've got it all, but they're absolutely miserable. Like they've sacrificed everything to get to where they are. Their marriages are broken down. Their kids don't speak to them. Like they hate life. And for me, it's just part of it is because they just keep chasing money. And I'm all for going for money and wealth and stuff. Like no problem with that. But I'm just a big believer. Like you have to have a purpose behind it. And that's still the thing that drives me. I just during the bad days and the days where you get knocked down, because anyone in business knows that you have times like that. It's still like the thing that keeps me going. It's like, do you know what? If I can go to bed tonight, even though knowing that I'm doing something that's trying to make the world and my life a better place, then that's what keeps me moving forward. Yeah. What, what is that mission for you now? It's the same one I said a few minutes ago. It's like wanting to help people who are struggling like I was or who are at a place where like they know they're meant for something more, but they're just getting in their own way. Like they know what to do, but they're not doing it. Like whether it was when I was doing the health work, that was the focus, the mindset work is the evolution of that. It's always going to help people who are struggling like I was so they can avoid the traps that I was in. Yeah. Uh, my, my mentor often refers to it as the dummy tax and, <laughs> and a lot of, and a lot of what I, I do and have built and created with Think Unbroken is, can I help people not pay the dummy tax? Cause I've already done it. Cause trust me, I've done some of the dumbest you could possibly imagine. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think the, the thing that people get to this journey is hard, man, you know, this, I mean, you're, you're facing with you know, dealing with childhood trauma, lack of confidence, being bullied, being overweight, working a job that sucks, dealing with uh, a father who's terminally ill, facing your own demons, going down this path. And, you know, it's almost apropos that the title of your book is, is maybe you should just give up. Maybe you should give up. And I feel like so many people, they have just given up on life. They just quit. They're like, I'm done. Obviously, I realize that there's a connotation that's very different in, in the book. And so I'd love for you to talk about what that really means. Like, what does maybe you should give up mean? Yeah. So over the last decade now, I've worked with people in 15 different countries. Uh, what I discovered is that there are seven mental blocks that every single one of us hold on to that stops us from living the life we want, whether it's fear, comparing ourselves to others, being too hard on ourselves worrying about problems that haven't happened yet. So maybe you should give up. It's not about giving up on your goals and dreams. It's about giving up, holding on to everything that's stopping you from, them, you from turning them into a reality. Ultimately, it's a book about empowerment, about helping you break through everything that's holding you back so that you can take control of the life that you want. So going into that and looking at it uh, on paper, people will hear, okay, cool, seven things. Sounds easier said than done. But Byron, you don't, you don't know my life, man. You don't know what it's like. I've been through, I'm in debt. I'm struggling. My relationship's falling apart. I got kids. I don't have any extra time. I'm overweight. I, I mean, I can keep going, right? And it's like, well, okay, well, what do I do, man? Like, where do I start? My life is a, a disaster. Like, what do I actually do here? Yeah, so the first thing that we always need to figure out is who does someone need to become to turn their life around? Because part of the reason people are stuck is they're spending their days with the same habits, the same behaviors, the same routines, and then hoping that they're going to be able to change their life. And the reality is that what made you who you are today isn't going to help you become who you're meant to be tomorrow. And that's why the first step in any journey of transformation is you need to have a vision of where you want to go, but then you also need to figure out who's the version of you that's turned it into a reality. And anyone listening to this right now can do it. Like, just think about, okay, your goals and dream and vision you want, get a mental image in your mind of what does the version of you who made that happen look like? And then ask yourself, what routines did they develop? What behaviors did they create? What non-negotiables did they do every single day that got them to where they are? That's going to help you create a blueprint to figure out, okay, these are the exact changes that you need to embody to get to where you want to be. But then knowing that is not enough, you need to start pushing yourself to show up as that person in everything that you do. And the way that you do that is you have to take 
feelings like willpower and motivation out of the equation, when it comes time to do something, you need to ask yourself, what could the person I want to become do right now? Would they make excuses? Would they put it off or would they take action? Like whether it's hitting the gym, having that tough, tough conversation, working on that business, whatever it is, you have to start making decisions and taking action as the person you want to become. Because when you start doing that, then you'll stop overcoming your excuses, your fears, your reasons why it can't be done. And you'll start building your confidence, your momentum. And over time, you'll start evolving into that next level version of yourself. But you still don't know my life, right? And so people will will hear this constantly, right? And I, I think that what you and I have done effectively well as coaches and mentors and authors is lay out the tools. But we've also walked the walk, like we've lived the life. We've heard this thing, we've been able to step into it, but there's still these people who, no matter what, they don't achieve their goals, right? Um, they'll sit here, they'll, they'll write out the person that they want to become, they'll make the game plan, they'll, they'll even put it on their calendar, and they still won't do it. What are they missing? Yeah, it's going to be situational dependent, but a lot of the time it comes down to someone has to be ready to change. Uh, you have to be at a point because when, if someone's like, oh, you don't know my life, it's like, I never want to take away from the challenges that someone's been through. But every single person listening to this that you speak to today is going to have gone through in their life. They're going to have been knocked down. They're going to have days where they didn't feel like they were going to get up. We all think we're so alone in this with every single person is fighting battles we don't even know about. And that's why when someone's like, oh, you don't know what's going through, like so many other people are going through similar things. But the thing I would always push someone to recognize is no matter what you've been through and the challenges you're facing, you can make a decision to do something different going forward. But you have to decide that, you know what, I'm done with putting up with this because what you tolerate, you can never change. And all that is, is just another reason to justify why it can't be done. Whereas when you make a decision, you know what, I'm tired of being like this. It's the same as when I was dragging myself out of bed, like depressed to the point I didn't want to leave the house to go to that job. And I was just like, I'm done with this. Like, I need to find a way to get out of here. Like, I got pushed to the point where suddenly the pain of not changing outweighed the pain of doing something new. I was like, I have to find a way. And that's why the big thing is like, anyone can get motivated to take action, but they're never going to follow through until they make a choice of, do you know what, I'm ready to turn this around. And then that's really, really going back to the book. It's about looking at the seven things that hold people back. Because a lot of the time it's fear. Like often people get caught in their own head because they're worried, what if they fail? What if they're rejected? What if they judge? We need to understand what's going on and why that's weighing them down. But whatever it is, we have to then dive into and uncover, okay, why aren't you taking action? What is it that's stopping you from following through? Because if you're ready and you want to make it happen, and then we can figure out what's holding you back and overcome that, that's when everything changes. Yeah, I think about fear literally every day. And I, I look at it, I assess it, and I say to myself, well, face it anyway. Like I really do. And it, it's become, I don't know if that's true for you or not, but it, it's almost become a point of pride in my life to do the things that scare me. And, and look, here's the reality of the things that scare me. Staying in shape, writing the books, being on podcasts, being in healthy relationships, having good friendships, not being in debt, speaking on stages, right? Loving myself, journaling, meditating, you know, like there's fear in all of those things. But the fear that I would go back to who I used to be, dude, that is far more terrifying because you're sitting here on the opportunity of living a life that when you face your fear, inevitably you, when you die, because you will, you won't have regrets. Like I really truly believe that regret, those people who are on their deathbed, the number one thing people always say, I have regret. I wish I would have did the thing. The number one way that you avoid that is you do the thing that you're most scared of. And if you do that, your life will be incredibly different. And, and I think that there's something about the element, let me rephrase that. I know that there is something about the element of facing your fears that is also a form of self-love. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's just giving yourself permission to go after what you want. But yeah, regret's the one thing that drives me more than anything. And I love your framing of you 
fear more not wanting to go back to that person because that's one of the, the like frames I use in the book. Like the way I tell people to overcome fear is you have to make the pain of not following through more painful than the pain of what needs to happen. So it's just thinking of, okay, let's say um, you're not taking action in your business. Well, you need to figure out, okay, what happens if you reach the end of your life and you look back, realizing you never went after your goals and you can't get that time back? What happens if you reach the end of the month and you procrastinate all the time and haven't made enough sales and you can't provide for your family? What happens if six months from now you haven't followed through and you need to close the business and you never make that impact and help people? Whatever it is that's driving you, you have to make the pain of not following through more painful than the pain of what you're afraid of. Because then suddenly it's more painful not to take action. And a lot of the time you realize that once you actually put yourself out there, it's not that bad. What you've been building up this this huge catastrophe in your head isn't actually a big deal. Because once you face it, you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And that becomes easier to face the next one, the next one, the next one. And your confidence comes up. So it's just really about getting started. And you've got to figure out what is that first action you need to take just to push yourself and start building some momentum. Momentum is the key word. Like I, I think that that's arguably one of the most powerful words in the healing journey. And this is also the singular thing that causes the most destruction in the healing journey or lack of momentum, I should say. And, and another way to phrase that is self-sabotage because people will be on the path. They're doing the thing. They've got their health right. They're getting their money right. They got the relationship right. They're maybe they're doing the calls. They're closing the deals. They're showing up. They're they're living life into the identity of the person that they believe that they could be. And then, generally speaking, subconsciously, they destroy it all. What do you do about self sabotage? Because there are people listening. I know because we've been doing this for almost six years. There are people listening to this show who they've made massive and radical changes in their life. They've closed some gaps. They've been able to have some successes and then they destroy it all. What do you do about and how do you navigate self-sabotage? Yeah. So it's a little bit of a difficult one to answer because it depends what the self-sabotage is. Because like the entire like new book is about overcoming self-sabotage. So it's very much going to be situational dependent. But taking the example, for instance, you said of someone burning down the business, like it's got to be a case that they've got to fit, stop and slow down and figure out, okay, what's actually going on here? Like, what is it that I'm afraid of? Is it a fear of success? Is it something else deeper going on that I'm tearing this down? Is it because I'm prioritizing something above my happiness? They really need to then realign and figure out what's going on. And then the focus always has to be on the present and what you do to move forward. Because the one big piece of advice I give to anyone listening to this is no matter how many times you mess up and the mistakes that you make, you can't change the past. And if you sit there and you dwell on it and you beat yourself up, you're just going to fall further into the self-sabotaging cycle where you just focus on things you can't change. And that's why I'm such a big believer that mindset-wise, it always has to be on what you need to do about this going forward. You need to stop and figure out if, yes, I've screwed this up. I've made a mistake here. But what can I do to course correct? What are the actions I can take, whether it's in your business, your relationships, your health, perfect example could be like someone who's doing really well on a fitness goal goes on an all-out binge and then they're like oh i failed i'm just gonna quit it's like no you need to figure out okay what happened why did you fall into that behavior and then from there what do you do to pick yourself up and carry on because so many people at that first setback they get derailed and they stop altogether and that's why you've always got to focus okay what is the thing you can do to empower yourself to start creating the results that you want what do you, what do you do in those moments in your personal life when when things are going well you hit roadblocks you stumble you inevitably do something out of character out of integrity like what's the conversation in your head and what are the actions that you're taking so it's always about just slowing down like a lot of people just get pulled into it and then they make emotional decisions and they make things worse so for me if my guts come in or I'm like something doesn't feel right here it's like take a step back Generally, I'll go for a walk. I'll try and get some fresh air. I'll just process what's going on. I'll figure out, okay, why am I feeling this way? Why am I acting like this? What's potentially triggering this or causing me to actually respond like this? And then the question I always ask myself is, what do I need to do about this? And the reason why I love that simple question is it focuses on the action you need to take going forward. 
it's not dwelling on the past. It's not looking at the mistakes. Like it's what you need to do to fix it. Because once you have and you've turned it around, then you can reflect and you can be like, okay, what happened there? What can I learn from this so it doesn't happen again? But it's never beating yourself up or dwelling on things. Yes, at times, if you make a mistake, you've got to own up to it and be like, look, I, I messed up here. My mistake. This is what I'm going to fix and how we're moving forward. But it's just never falling into that emotional blame, whether it's you or other people. Because when you go into that mentality, that's when you then just start to spiral. So I think it's such a power, empowering thing when you, you just slow down and just connect with yourself. Like, why am I feeling this? What's going on? And then what do I need to do about it? When you answer that question for yourself, is that, do you journal it? Do you talk to a therapist? Do you talk to a coach? Has it just become an internal dialogue? Like, what are you actually doing with the question? I normally just have an internal dialogue. So I just sit and think it through. Or I go for a walk and I think it through and I just process it. But that's my way of dealing with it. What I would never want to suggest is be like, that's the way you should do it. Like all of us process stuff differently. So anyone who's listening to us right now is like, oh, I want to try that. You've got to test and work, figure out what works for you. Some people will be journaling. Some people will be speaking to a coach or therapist. Some people will be talking to a friend or someone else. Like there's no right or wrong. But the important thing is you slow down, you process what's happening and then figure out what action do you need to take. So mine is I just need to sit there, sit with it or go for a walk, just detach from technology. I just get my head back in the game and just be like, what's going on here? How do I bounce back or what do I need to do? Yeah. And, and you're so spot on because we do process differently. For me, it's my journal. Like I have to take all these thoughts in my head and write them down on paper so I can assess them, make meaning of them, create a grain pan around it. I mean, dude, to be honest, half of my journal is freaking like a instruction manual for my own life where I'm just like, do this and then do this and then do this and do this. Um, I don't, I don't do so well when it's just up in my head. So I, I really appreciate you said that, you know, one of the things that I, I think that we, we have to deal with is, you know, when you are faced with the decision-making about creating change, assessing what you've done or what you need to do is there's like this element of getting out of your own way. And I know that's a big part about what you talk about. And, you know, what I'm curious about is like, what does it really take to get out of your own way? Like, this is a concept, like I believe is the cornerstone to success. This might be arguably the most important thing that we'll even talk about today, but like, how do you actually get out of your own way? So a big part of it is just figuring out, okay, what is it you need to do? And then being consistent with making it happen. It's in its simplest form, that's exactly what it is. Like whether it's your business, your relationships, your health, whatever it is you're trying to achieve in the life that you want to make, it's about staying disciplined and focused and following through. Because a lot of the time when we get in our own way, it's where we sabotage ourselves because we lose motivation. We're like, oh, I don't feel like doing it today. Or we procrastinate or we look for reasons not to do it. Or we take actions that derail our progress. So it's just about really having that mentality of, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to get tunnel vision and make it happen. Yes, at times I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to get everything perfect. That's fine. But it's just staying consistent and holding yourself to the standard where you actually move towards the life that you want. If you don't have any framework for standards, like obviously, you know, having childhood trauma, not having success, seeing the world through this scope of negativity, of pain, of blame, of shame, vibrating in the lower frequencies of energy, how do you actually create standards for yourself? It comes down to knowing the sort of life you want to live, because your standards don't necessarily have to come from society or your parents or like a perfect upbringing. It can just be like looking at your values as a person and who you want to be and then holding yourself to that expectation. So it's being like, do you know what? The standard I have for my life is I want to follow through with these things. I always want to keep my word. I want to be true to myself. I want to be honest and authentic. It's like whatever it is, like that doesn't have to come from your past. It just has to come from you knowing. And this is where some of the deep work comes in. Like you've got to figure out, okay, who actually are you and what's important to you in life? And then it's just like knowing that, what are the standards you have to hold yourself to so that you can go to bed at night and be like, you know what? I tried my best. I can mm. be proud of showing up and taking action. So yeah, I don't think it's something that you necessarily have to have formed from your childhood. It, it can be as you grow and evolve and change and figure out the new life that you want, you can set new standards for yourself. But it goes back to what I said before, figuring out the person you want to become. It's like 
that person who's achieved the goals that you want, what did they hold themselves to every single day that helped them get there? And that can give you a new idea for the standards you want to set. It could be like the standard they set is they put these tasks they need to follow through with business-wise, they get them done every day without excuses. They, like for me personally, one of my standards, because I, um, for so many years of growing a business, I just didn't have any work-life balance. My relationships suffered massively. I was not like very good at that side of it. Like the new standards in my life are, I have non-negotiable date night with my girlfriend once a week. We have adventure day Saturdays when my phone gets left, like of all work stuff aside, we go and spend time out and we do something fun. I'm, I have standards for fitness and health. Like that was the life I wanted to create and that's what I hold myself to. So these can change over time, but you just need to figure out what's important to you and what are the standards you have to hold yourself to to make it a priority and happen. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And I think that the more you have the willingness to do so, and and I think one of the things that probably isn't talked about enough in these conversations, Byron, is uh, give yourself space, have patience. Uh, it's going to take you, I don't know if this is true for you, but it certainly has been for me. It's taken me longer to start creating the life that I wanted to have than I ever would have imagined. And since life is very long, if you can deploy some patience in the macro, but in the micro, move aggressively fast towards your goals, it'll be incredible what you can accomplish in five, seven, 10, 12, 15 years. And nobody, I don't know a single overnight success. I've never met one. I don't know one. I know a lot of people who've spent a lot of time showing up day in and day out. And I think the thing that people also have to leverage that is just a factual truth about this journey is that you have to want this. And I can't want it for you. Nobody else can. How do you determine, because this is where people get lost. How do you actually determine the things that you want out of your life? You've got to figure out what's important to you. Because for one person, it might be impact. For one person, it might be money. For one person, it might be family. And then you've got to think out, okay, what do you need to do that's going to allow you to move towards that? Because for someone who, like, their main priority in life is like being a father and around for their kids, like running a business, especially in the early years where it takes up so much of your time and bandwidth may not be the right path for them. They might be better off finding a comfortable job that gives them the work-life balance they want. And it's just a lot of the time we put ourselves in a box and we convince ourselves we have to do this in order to be successful. And that's not true. There's so many paths and avenues and there's so many different definitions of success. But I think we're all in such a rush to make it happen that we just overlook what it actually takes. Because a lot of the time as well, I find that we convince ourselves that the future, everything's going to be great. We tell ourselves that once we achieve that goal, everything's going to be incredible. But the reality is, you're never going to get to where you want to be. Like whatever you want right now, as soon as you get close, that goal line's going to move. But we all fall into that trap of telling ourselves like once we hit that milestone or that threshold, that's when we'll take some time off. We'll prioritize our family, look after our health. But that's what we said the time before and the time before that. And that's why it's so important, I believe, to recognize that happiness and fulfillment and joy doesn't come from some achievement in the future. And instead, it comes from the journey. And the journey takes place in the present. So you've got to pick what are the struggles that you're willing to take. Because life is always going to be a struggle. It's like, what are the struggles you're willing to put yourself through in order to live the life that you want and then be true to that, for that family impact? success, whatever that is, live for yourself. And that's how you can create a life on your terms. Yeah. I love that, my friend. Byron, man, this has been a, an incredible conversation. Before I ask you my last question, can you please tell us where everyone can find you and get the new book? Yeah. So you can find out more about me at byronmorrison.com. Uh, you can get the new book. Maybe you should give up seven ways to get out of your own way and take control of your life. Anywhere you can get books whether that's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books Million, or any other retailer. And you can also find me on any social media platform. I'm really active on Instagram and LinkedIn, uh, particularly just search for author Byron Morrison. Amazing. And of course, guys, go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Look up Byron's episode where we'll have this and more in the show notes. My last question for you, my friend. What does it mean to you to be unbroken? So I was giving this quite a bit of thought, and I think it's a really good question. And for me, unbroken is where you've been knocked down. You've been at a point where 
everything feels like it's falling apart, but you've still picked yourself back up. It's just not allowing yourself to be defeated by the challenges that have been thrown your way in your life. And the one message I'd just love to leave everyone with here today is like, regardless of what you're going through right now, the fact that you're listening to this right now shows that you've survived 100% of your worst days and you're still here fighting. And that's why you're far stronger than you're giving yourself credit for. So whatever you're going through, you can and you will make it through this as well. And that's why for me, Unbroken is just being, having that resilience to put yourself back together, to pick yourself up and keep fighting. Yeah, love that, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, and share. And remember, every time that you share this content, you're helping us end generational trauma, transform trauma to triumphs, breakdowns to breakthroughs, and help others become the hero of their own story. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see you. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken. Please share this episode with someone who could use it and help us move forward in our mission of ending generational trauma in our lifetime. And if you would, please take five seconds to pop on iTunes or Spotify, hit that five star, leave a review. And you can also reach out to us on social at Michael Unbroken or at Think Unbroken. And of course, you can check out our YouTube channel at Think Unbroken. Thank you for being a part of Unbroken Nation, my friends. And until next time, be unbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.